Hello, everyone. Today we have with us Skylar Reeves, founder and CEO of Arden Growth. Arden Growth works as content marketing partners with marketing agencies that are too busy to market themselves. Skylar, welcome to the show. Excited to have you today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, Skylar, why agencies? If you could share your journey into content marketing and what inspired you to specifically focus on digital marketing agencies? Yeah, so I think it was, we worked with, I think like most agencies when they start out, we, we tried to figure out who did we enjoy working with the most, who was the most profitable, the general sort of thing. And over time, we realized that we actually had one agency reach out to us and ask us if we'd be willing to create some of their content. And it was the first agency we worked with. And I said, sure, I liked, I liked the founder. I liked the brand. We knew their audience pretty well. And so we started creating content for them and quickly got them some pretty great results. Realized we really enjoyed the relationship because we weren't having to, they just made everything easier on us. We didn't have to explain why we were doing what. They just uh, gave us the reins and told us to, to grow their revenue. And that's what we did. And after that, I asked the team, I said, how do you guys feel about us uh, trying to do this some more with other agencies? And they were on board with it. They liked it. The clientele were great to work with. And everything was, it was like working with yourself, basically, really is what it, is what it felt like a lot of times. So we started working with them more. And then we, did, we realized that some of the technology that we had developed was beneficial to them as well. And so that opened up additional revenue streams for us as well. And yeah, it's, it's like getting to do for other agencies. Um, it's like being like a nice fractional marketing team for other folks and getting the exposure that you might like marketing different ways for other types of customers without having to do it internally on your own brand. How challenging has been after that one client? Has it always been like that easy as it was with the first client? Or you know, I understand agencies don't have time to market themselves and for themselves, but then still how easy is to work with them or get approvals and stuff like that? Yeah, so far it's yet to be difficult. I think it's mainly because the way that we approach it. So we tend to approach our, like what makes a good fit as a as another marketing agency who works with us is someone who uh, we're the founder or they tend to be, they're not quite like, they don't have a marketing head, right? They don't have had a marketing, director marketing, et cetera. They want to market themselves, but they're too busy and they're more, very much more focused on the operation side or the sales side typically. And so the way we structure the relationships is that we come in and we're literally like a fractional marketing team in the sense that we're there involved in the, directly in the CRM. We're involved in a lot of the meetings of what's going on internally with the business. And so we don't really get a, have to worry about approval because the approval comes from our side. We right. actually handle approvals ourselves and we're, what we're held accountable to is revenue growth. And so as long as we're growing revenue, that's that. And so there's not, we haven't really had to deal with a lot of approval um, issues or anything like that. So that's, I think that structuring that way is what's helped there. Otherwise it would be a nightmare like it is with any other client. And I think like one good point is since, like you said, like your work is directly related to the revenue impact it's creating. So I think like it then makes it easier from the approval side and everything, because as long as it's getting that output, I think the owners, like what else would they need? Yeah, if they're wanting to be, obviously we'll take input with trying to understand, okay, do you have a brand? Um, have you established what direction you want to go with this brand? And we discuss those things, but we discuss those things during strategic meetings. And it's just like what you would do if you had an actual 
CMO, right? Like you would yeah. tell your, you would discuss with your leadership team, hey, here's what we think, what a good idea to do, what a good direction to go with the business would be. And then you would expect your CMO to execute. You don't expect the CMO to be going to the head of ops to ask them what their opinion on some piece is, right? And so that's how it's been. But now folks who want to have more granular control and want to run it all, those are the founders who tend to be more on the marketing side and less on right. the sales or operation side. And so they're also usually not the ones that are looking for us. I think they're usually just looking for an extra pair of hands, right? They're just right. looking for help ex with execution, not necessarily with the entire marketing function of their, of their right. organization. So the right fit basically is an agency that doesn't have a CMO for themselves. And that's where the right fit basically is. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of agencies, even if they do have a CMO, they probably, it really probably shouldn't be a CMO at that point. It should probably be head of marketing or a brand manager or something like that. And so it's usually folks who don't have one of those and where the founder just, they want to do marketing. They know they need to do marketing, but they just can't seem to pull themselves out of more important areas of the business. And, and with good reason, I think in the long run, the CEO shouldn't be doing the marketing anyway, unless it's what I would call like company level marketing, where they're using it to broadly influence, to bring in additional talent or to tie their name associated with the brand. I think that's useful, but your, your standard sort of execution of, of the, of the strategy shouldn't be on the day-to-day -day of a founder. So not in the long run. Skylar, keyword research becomes very critical. I know you do a lot of work on that, a lot of research on that. What does your keyword research looks like? Because the keyword research will define the topics you write about, will define everything around the content strategy as well. So what does your keyword research look like? So it, typically the way we approach it is I want to, we call, we call it a total searchable market. So Anything that's relevant that a person could possibly search for that you could eventually do business with, whether you offer that product now or in the future, we just pull all the data in and then we take all that, crunch it through an algorithm that we wrote and we end up with a sort of a map of the market. And then we use that. We have another algorithm that helps us prioritize it. That way you end up suppressing a lot of the more irrelevant topics at the, at the current point in time. They get suppressed down toward the bottom so you don't really run into them. And that's what we use to inform the high level, but we also try to blend it together with qualitative research that we're getting from, say, the sales team or what we're getting directly from their market. So we'll survey their market a lot of times, and we try to find that overlap between what's the problem areas that the customer has. And then sometimes we even end up go back and iterating on that keyword research again once we uncover new insights of the way a customer describes a problem or something like that to bolster it even more, to give us more. But we try to find that overlap between what are their problems? What's the customer talking about? What do they see as valuable with what do we actually have in the actual quantitative data research side of things? And then the last component is also looking at it from the perspective of where's the business wanting to go? What are they focused right. on? Where do they get their margins, et cetera? So try to combine all three. But as from a keyword research standpoint, it's basically give me anything and everything that's relevant. And we'll let the algorithm shake out the rest. What are your thoughts on topic clusters? That's a broad question. I think that's, so from a search standpoint, I think it's the, I don't know a better way to go. If you're trying to tackle things from a search standpoint, I think broadly speaking topic, like clustering topics together is just the, there's not a better solution currently, because if you don't, what you end up doing is you're always going to run into mistakes of saying, should I create one page or two? Or maybe you create two pieces of content that, that uh, end up cannibalizing each other later, or you create one piece of content, but it really should have been two. And you also, I think, 
if you don't cluster them together, you don't see the big picture of how much value is actually contained within an, like a subtopic of the market. And so being able to cluster all together, you can start to see, okay, maybe on its own, this one topic didn't seem like it would be very valuable to our business. But when you see it aggregated with everything else that's very similar, that has a high degree of similarity and overlap, you start to see what that real value would be. And then it also can help with, I think, everything from like how you structure your site, how you set, like if you're going to spend money creating content for your website, it's let's make sure we spend our money in the most opportune places possible. Otherwise, you're just pulling in keyword research, sorting by what something like volume and KD or something, right? Yeah. Which are just, it works if you don't have anything else, like something's better than nothing, but that's a rather pedestrian type approach, I think. So, yeah, I think a lot of people end up doing a mistake where they're creating like a lot of like pillar pages and sub pages, but you know, there's no strategy involved. And there are some people that follow a strategy where, okay, fine, I want like one pillar page and let's say three or four sub pages, but there's, like you said, there's no formula to it like one pillar page and three pages or let's say one page and unlimited pages mm -hmm. as long as that individual subtopic in itself has some relevance and value only then will it have some traction otherwise you'll end up having some sub pages which basically are like not of no value at all yeah and i there's another like a common angle i think i see a lot of people miss when they're approaching this is recognizing that, okay, once you have a map of say this topic that you want to tackle and that you want to own and you say, okay, maybe we're going to create these 10 to 20 pieces around it just to see what does it look like to begin to penetrate this market from a search perspective. There's a lot of topics in there that maybe aren't going to show up in your data or maybe the intent from search doesn't really align with what you do as a business. And one thing you don't want to do is I wouldn't go address that intent based on search. I realize that's what would get you ranking for it. But the thing is, if there's a secondary intent that aligns better with your business, just go after that. It's okay if you're ranking six or seven for it, because the people who are searching for that, we're eventually going to click on that result or find the result anyway. So don't just bend yourself to the will of search because you're bending yourself to the broad market who's never going to buy anything from you anyway. So that's one key problem. I think another one is misunderstanding or not realizing the power that having an entry point topic can give you to drive people to other pieces of content that they would yes. never search for absolutely but can absolutely can 100 like position you for that market in a way that again they just never would have searched for something like that to help you start to tell your narrative to give your story to these people and that's something i see a lot of folks miss out on because they get too tunnel visioned on the seo side of things they're not thinking right. about the broad, the broader picture of what's this look like with down the funnel and or what's this look like to if I wanted to share it on social or how do I get traction around this? Not necessarily share the content on social, but I don't think that works very well. It just gets suppressed too much. But how do you share the ideas, the concepts, the 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 narrative on social? Yeah, I think a lot of people are like too focused on just looking at the list of keywords ranking for the competition and the pages the competition has and what they are missing. Yeah. And a lot of times it is everybody has not got it right. Like a lot of times there's a whole set of things that is missing there. It's almost as good as a, you know, vacuum and it's actually as good as a blue ocean where you can actually have that authority and you can actually drive and control all that traffic. Yeah. There's, we have an article I wrote about this two years ago or something like that, where we were arguing against this common approach of doing a content gap analysis where 
most people will take and say, okay, what are my competitors ranking for? What are they ranking for that I'm, yeah. that I'm not ranking for? Okay, I get it. I get it. Go fill those gaps in, sure. But there's often a much broader picture. That's all we call right. the total searchable market that your competition hasn't even tried to tap into yet. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. it's up to you when you begin to see that on the, figuring out, okay, is there a reason why they haven't gone after this? Is it not very valuable? Or have I found an opportunity where I can begin to lead the market versus just playing catch up with everyone else? Because anytime you benchmark on competitor data or try to look at what the competition is doing to inform your own strategy that's a to me that's I, again i get it but it's also a it's not a winning strategy you don't win yeah. by chasing after competitors you win by making them chase after you and exactly. so you want to look at the bigger picture and see where can i begin to either uh, go after things that they haven't done before or where can i begin to have different and unique opinions or unique takes on topics that i think everyone else is getting wrong and that's something we frequently do because there's a there's this common and we've all seen it on google where we search for something and all the results are very homogenous and yeah. it's i think it's a byproduct of one person quote unquote got it right and then everyone else just trying to copy them and everyone else is also too afraid to try anything new, to try something different. Yeah. They would rather they'd rather do something that they think is going to work than try something that may work better, but they're but it's more unknown. Right. And oftentimes when you actually try something that's more unknown, you, you start to realize that okay, the only reason why search looks like that is because everyone it's just the blind following the blind half the time. And so we've we make it a point to say, do we fundamentally agree with the premise here? And if they if we don't, it's really nice for marketing agencies because oftentimes there is a lot of just wrong stuff out there. An example, we did this recently for one agency who was looking at a, a fairly broad keyword around their market. And everyone was, every article was complete. It was, so the, the sort of core theme was around strategy. And every article was pretty much just focused on the tactical execution side of things on, say, social and SEO. And if we think about what does marketing look like holistically here, right? You've got market research, you've got segmentation, you've got targeting, positioning, messaging, right? And setting objectives and all that. And then you get into product price, the four Ps, right? And promotion, that sort of tactical execution on the communications channels. That's just like one eighth of marketing. And then all the articles were all based around that. And so we said, okay, let's take the bigger picture view. Let's actually call out how wrong everyone else is. So we did. And then I think we have, you've seen this, I'm sure plenty of times and everyone else has too, where You'll search for something and it's all the XYZ guide, ultimate guide, et cetera. And so I think we named ours not another guide to this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It quickly picked up traction because it was one, we're able to still hit that intent that Google's looking for around the having guide and yeah. the keyword. Right? Yeah. But we're also trying to make it stand out a bit more and take a very different angle. Yeah, I think that's something a lot of people, they miss out on. They don't look at the bigger picture. They, they get too myopic in what the competition's doing. And right. really all you have to do is just go talk to your market. If you just spend time talking to your market, they will guide you and tell you exactly what you need to do. And you'll be so far ahead than what you ever would just by copying the competition. Because there's a lag right. time when well, your yeah. competition, you don't know if it's working for them. You don't know how yeah. long ago it was that they tried that. I was about to tell you the same thing. Like we have hyped that reverse engineering term so much in SEO. All our, like not all, but a lot of our tools that we're using is basically looking at the top 10, like seeing what all they have and just copying. And again, it's important. You need to make sure that based on 
the intent and Google, like what Google considers top 10. It's very important to make sure you have all of that. It's also important to see what they are missing. And that's not going to get in the tools are not going to get you that. Like we, yeah. we once to talk to one of our clients and we told them just talk to like 10 of your clients and show them your content and just tell them that like what are the things that they would also like to see which is missing there and that gave them some really good topics which the tools would not have so i think it's definitely something that a lot of people miss and maybe our viewers can try that activity of talking to their clients seeing the topics that they're not getting in the tools and see like the traction it gets yeah and two and two things off the back of that one would be sometimes you'll look at the broad topic as a whole and Maybe you think everything out there is pretty bland about it and you're not really sure you want to go after that topic because you don't know how valuable it would be for you or maybe you're going up against the, it's maybe HubSpot's ringing for it and SimRush and HRS and as an agency or something, you're like, what am I going to do here? For one, you can beat them. I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that right now. You can beat those large, those large players who do it plenty of times. But I think it's looking, if you've clustered your topics together, it's looking within the cluster to find where's an angle within that cluster what you could go after and yeah you may not capture the entire volume and that that is available the entire traffic that's available within that topic cluster but if you can capture us capture a sub segment of it that would be very valuable to your business for people who have that type of problem that that gives you a, a much more narrow and specific angle to take with your piece and another thing if you don't have time always to talk to your customers you can't get them to give you good feedback or whatever because i realize it could be difficult depending on the volume of content that you're putting out it would be, it's as simple as just going and reading some of the pieces that are ranking, just actually read it and look at and read it from a critical perspective and ask yourself, just assume that there's something wrong. That's the way we always approach it is assume that there's something wrong if there, and that there could be something better. And I think it's very easy for people to go read, uh, let's say you're competing against other agencies on the SERPs. Uh, I think it's very easy for you to go read their content and uh, just ask yourself, do you think this is good? <laughs> and it start to find flaws in it. And when you find those flaws, note those down. And that would be, it can give you some insight on how you might actually be able to create something that's going to provide like a new perspective or unique information. Uh, the whole concept of confirmation of, of information gain can be, uh, can be baked into that. But you also need writers who are going to be, that need to understand the craft or at least researchers that really understand the craft so they can form that narrative. I understand. Silo, since you work with agencies, I'm sure you also have agencies that are like focusing on multiple niches, right? Mm -hmm. In those scenarios, how do you prioritize your content? Like whenever an agency, like for creating content for an agency that does have multiple, multiple uh, industries. Yeah, an agency, yeah. yeah. Typically, it comes, it comes down to a handful of things. So one, we'll ask ourselves like, okay, maybe they've started focusing on a new industry and they want to get penetration in that market like at that level we don't we're looking more at like what's going on at the business right what's the what are we trying to accomplish this year as a business where are we trying to what sales focused on what is your what are advertising efforts focused on how do we get that to align with with the content marketing side of things because all the content we create can help enable sales can help enable advertising and we get feedback from both as well so it creates a more synergistic approach that's one thing other scenarios would be Let's say they, they're not necessarily going after a new industry, but we want to prioritize within the area. So what we'll do is we'll start to look at, okay, where do you have your best margins at? What are you able to consistently deliver at high margins with, with a, a good balance between volume and margin? 
And we use that to say, if you could sell more of X, what would it be? And we'll use that to, to inform the direction that we go. That so far has not led us wrong. And if they don't know those numbers, then that's that ends up being something where we'll periodically take off the marketing hat for a bit and put on our operations hat and say, okay, let's help you understand what, what is actually driving revenue in your business and get that problem solved first, because that's a big constraint that we need to have answers to. Like that impacts every area of the business. So we'll try to help them solve that first. And so that's it's usually when I get more involved and it's less of a... Uh, so less of the marketing role and more of a, okay, let's two CEOs here of agencies collaborate together and figure out how do we solve this problem for you. But yeah, so that, that tends to be verbal focused or if they got the resources, it's divide and conquer. If they're doing really well in some areas, we'll look to say, where are you not doing so well? And sometimes evaluating if it's even worth going after that. So that's usually what it's going to be is just looking at the business level. In your case, I know like you do the content for the agencies but let's say an agency is doing their own content and this will also hold true when they're trying to work for clients and they have a content team. Like when it's very difficult to scale content also because content is something like it totally depends on the type of writers and like the tone of various writers and stuff like that. So I'm sure you handle like a big content team, like any advice or any tips that, that can help you scale content and still make sure the consistency is there? Yeah, so I think that's, so let's say you're approaching this for your own customers, right? So mm-hmm. I think you can either play the quality game. You can do quality with quantity, but you have to really dial in your process towards quality first. You you cannot create something that's high quality without having, you, ha- you have to have someone really good in play. Like editors are probably the best thing. If I were to say, what's the trick? It's to just have really, good editors that can scale themselves across multiple areas. So it's the, it's not super helpful, but it's basically hire A players who know what the hell they're doing. That's probably the biggest part, but because writers, you can teach a writer to get better over time. Editors are quasi strategists in my opinion. So like they, they just have to have a knack for it. They're always looking for how do we shape this? Having a, a director on a movie set, right? Like they're really seeing the, they're trying to see the envision. It's not just an editor who's just cleaning up. It's not a copy editor. You know what I mean? It's more like an editor in chief. That would be one. Other than that, I would say there's nothing wrong with asking, are we going to be like quality over quantity, one or the other, mm-hmm. and just picking one and going that direction with it. You can obviously charge more for quality and do charge more, but do less, or you can charge less and do more and leverage GPT or outsource writers, templates, things like that. But when you do begin to try to mix them together, I think because it's hard even when you add more people into it you want to keep a writer working on the same account as much as possible that way the narrative like is consistent and then say from a clustering standpoint it can help too so actually here's a little tactical tip let's say you want to go after this big set of content this big topic craft it in such a way as if you're writing a book for it and just write the entire piece and don't worry about trying to publish it like as you're finishing the pieces of it get the whole thing done write this massive guide and then begin to split it up across the topics that you need. That way, everything is consistent and everything from a research standpoint, you'll go back, you'll edit as you learn to discover new things as you're going. That's been one way to help uh, kind of put out like a large batch of content, but it's much more of a not much is going out, right? It builds up and then the dam releases and now you have this this corpus of content that you've published. That's one way to do it. But another way I've seen, if you look at HubSpot, what they do is like minimal viable content. So they'll publish a piece of content and with kind of the 
like medium level standards. And then they have an entire separate team whose whole job is to come back in behind it and begin to periodically update that content, whether it's with new information or enhancing it with media assets or tools or templates or whatever it's going to be there. It's their job to come in and take it from that C level type content to that A level type content. That would be another approach, but you want to have two different types of teams. Cause if you have someone who's really good at the details, trying to simultaneously do volume, you'll run into issues. It's a, I'm not going to say it's not possible, but it's difficult. Of Skylar, favorite client story. So this was one, we got hired by an agency who it was somewhat outside the beaten path, but they were trying to close a deal and with a large global kind of e-com slash software brand. And the, they reached out to us and said, so they'd already pitched the company, lost the deal, or they didn't really lose it. The company actually was like, hey, we think you folks are solid, but this pitch didn't really land. Try it again. And I'm thinking, well, that's nice of them to, to give you that shot. So clearly they want to work with you. They just, they really, what it was, they needed better material so they could take to their own leadership to get the approval. And so the agency reached out to us and said, can you help us with this? Is there anything you can do? And I said, yeah, I think so. And so when do you need it? They said yesterday. And I said, okay. I said, it was on a Friday whenever I was having this conversation. And I said, I said, I'll pull in some of the team. I said, we'll make this work. We'll do it. We'll get to you by Monday. And they said, okay, normally we wouldn't work weekends, but I charged them a lot for it. I said, I charged them, them a pretty hefty amount and, and told them, I said, if, it, if you don't land a deal, I'll pay you back, whatever. I was like, I'm pretty confident we can do this. And so we, we took all of that, crunched all the data over the weekend, put together a deck for them, like a seven page deck that was more like a sales deck. And they were originally trying to pitch this deal at around 400K for the year. And I told them, I said, this is closer to 1.9 million dollar deal. If I, that's what I would be pushing for if I were you. And so I gave them the data, they went and pitched it and ended up closing it at 1.8. So that was a, that was a big win for them. And it really helped them survive that year with a lot of the stuff that happened in tech with everything slowing down. And for me, like seeing that big win for them was like a big win for me. And I love that they broke out of their like self-limiting beliefs of how much they thought that they could charge. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, it was, they had some a big difference. Yeah, they were a little worried. They were like, I don't know that we can pitch this amount. And I was like, you need to pitch this amount. And they did and they won it. So that's that's probably been my, my favorite one, at least for the past couple of years. For agency owners watching, could you share a content strategy, like quick win that they can implement immediately? Yeah, so yeah, here's one. So I know you folks probably do this with a lot of your customers where you tell them they need to make the comparison type pages or the list, the, the best of X type things. And maybe they want to push back against it because they don't want to put themselves amongst the, they don't want to talk about the competition. So two things there. One, I know you're not going to have a problem with this, but to tell them that the conversation is going to happen one way or another. And so they can either participate in that conversation or they can sit on the bench. But for, for agencies specifically, we've for several, because we, we try to keep them compartmentalized within a certain, either by service or by industry, that way we're not uh, competing with ourselves. Yeah, but yeah. what we've done is we've gone after those best agencies for X type articles where we're talking about the competition. We'll send them over there. That's fine. And it is converting into leads and into close re one revenue too at a crazy rate. Make those pages. That's what I would do if I were you. Make them for, if you're in a, the healthcare industry or the dental industry or whatever it is, just talk about your competition and be, be charitable, right? Talk about what makes you good and who you're for and, and make it clear who you're not for. And it's okay if people go to your competition, if they're not a good fit for you, 
you don't want them anyway. And because they may be a good fit for someone else. And, but yeah, so from a pure conversion standpoint, that's been a great one. It's great and stuff around that. From a broader strategic perspective, I would say the strat. So a strategy should follow directly from your business strategy. So your business strategy is, you know, you define what does winning look like for you? And then from there, you decide where are we going to play such that we will win, where you have an unfair advantage that you'll win. How are you going to play the game such that you have an unfair way to win? So how are you going to play where you've chosen to play? And then from there, you're looking at asking these questions of, so the two other components are, what are the must-have capabilities? So what has to be true in order for me to win, how I want to win, where I want to play to achieve whatever it is you're, you're trying to achieve. And then lastly, what are the systems that we need to have in place to give us the feedback loops so that we can consistently iterate on this? And it's the core systems that that without them, you, it wouldn't drive this unfair advantage in the market. And so that's the business strategy, right? And a good, if you want to learn more about that, just go read anything by Roger L. Martin. But once you have that established, your content strategy just directly derives from that. Um, right. the strategy will be, okay, we've chosen, we decided we want to play in this market. Cool. Create content around that market, right? Focus on what are the problems you can solve, balance out your traffic sources, identify where the constraints are in your business. So like strategy is not what a lot of people think it is, where it's this idea of, let me go look at some topics and, oh, should I create something around this or that? No, it's about go survey the market, go find out where your constraint is in your business. Do, if you survey a hundred people in your target market, do they know who you are? If they don't, you have an awareness problem. You need to fix that first. And then that will inform your content strategy for that year, right? If you survey a hundred them, they know who you are and you're, let's say you're even top of mind, but you're, they're not often considering you when they're looking for this. Maybe they're oftentimes looking for in-house. Well, then yeah. you have a consideration problem. Fix that. Same thing with preference and all the way down. So you just have to identify what the constraint is first, set your objective around it, and then the strategy just paints itself once you know what the problem is. You just create content to solve that problem for yourself, just like you would for a customer. Thank you for that. Skyla, in the end, I know we're short on time. In the end, I like playing a quick rapid fire round of three to five questions. Sure. Perfect. You sure. ready? Sounds good. Yeah, go for it. Your favorite part about Thanksgiving? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Rolls, maybe? I, I, I like yeah, rolls. Yeah, so. whatever <laughs> comes to your mind. Yeah, rolls or potato wedges are probably the uh, <laughs> the two things. The food's great. I, I think it's the rest you get afterwards. Are you a morning person or a night person? Both, really. More of a morning person. I like to get up early. Yeah, I get more done in the quiet time in the morning, 100%. Tea or coffee? Neither, actually. I'm more of a water or red. It's two extremes there, but yeah, not a big fan of coffee, not a big fan of tea. All right. What was your last Google search, if you remember? I think it had something to do with HubSpot's new lead object. I was looking around seeing like uh, something to do with some of the properties that they don't have documentation on yet. So that's, right. I think that was the last one I looked for. If a movie was made on you, what genre would it be? Probably action comedy. And it would probably look at like, I'm, my time in the military. That's probably what it would be around. Skylos, thank you so much for your time. It was fun having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it.